The provincial government has announced plans to create a $500 million fund that will enable nonprofits to buy older rental buildings in our province rather than allowing those buildings to be sold to developers. It's called the Rental Protection Fund, and the strategy is to keep buildings away from speculators, developers, and large corporations. That is the mission statement behind this $500 million fund. Here to talk about it this morning is the MS. LA for Kamloops North Thompson, the uh, shadow finance minister, the opposition critic Peter Millibar on the line to talk about the renter protection subsidy. Mr. Millibar, Peter, good morning and welcome. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's good to have you with us. If you were the finance minister of British Columbia this morning, Peter, would we be talking about you having signed off on this? Are you on side with this idea? Well, I think there would be a lot more detail in place uh, than what we saw announced by uh, the Premier. So this is a man who has spent the better part of the last three years either being the Housing Minister or, or the Premier, and uh, no actual detail on a program like this. And so, you know, what is the actual number of units hoping to be accomplished by this? Uh, what is the speed at which a nonprofit will be able to turn around an application with this unformed, un, uh, uh, yet-to-be-formed, a group that's going to be in charge of the 500 million and the disbursement because if you're a nonprofit you can't afford to wait months waiting for a government approval as other uh, purchasers are lining up trying to convince the seller to sell to them and mm-hmm. so um you know a lot of unknown i mean simple math would say even if even if it was $250,000 a unit subsidy to the nonprofit to offset the purchase price uh, that's only 2000 units of housing uh for the whole province and so you know, I think we have to look at this with a with a little bit of skepticism in terms of uh, what else are, is the government going to try to rush out the door without a proper plan for spending uh, with their un, unexpected $5 billion extra of taxpayers' money to work with. And I have to tell you, Mr. Millibar, the reason we called you, uh, rather than the uh, opposition housing critic, Peter, is because it's $500 million. It's half a billion bucks. This is something that would have had to been signed off by the finance minister. It's a huge number. Where's the money coming from? Well, my understanding is this is part of the the unfound or unexpected five billion dollars of, of uh, now surplus okay. uh, that's really built on uh, an overabundance of uh, personal income tax and corporate income taxes that the government wasn't expecting to see come in. And so, on the one hand, they've overtaxed the UI and everyone else and, and corporations to the tune of five to seven billion dollars this year. Um, now they're scrambling because if they don't get it uh, accounted for or into into pots of funds um, before March 31st, it has to, by law, go up against our, our deficit or our debt payments. So, um, you know, this is the worry now. Over the next two and a half months, we're going to see a flurry of announcements like this. But the NDP have been uh, very good at making big, splashy announcements, uh, very poor on telling us what exactly they're hoping to accomplish and timelines and, and what would be considered a success or not. So for the Premier not to have any idea on, on um, you know, what the success would be of this program, it's been noted that the building they stood in front of for the announcement apparently had just sold recently for $125 million. That would be a quarter of the fund for one building right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it really does beg the question, um, um, you know, is, is basically Premier Eby going to be blowing through uh, $5 billion on, on whims here without any really 
um, good, solid uh, results for the taxpayers of British Columbia. Well, and, you know, the cynic in me says uh, there's more to this than just the announcement and uh, that you're right, that they are saying the fund will be operational in the coming months and will be financed by March 31st, which, as you mentioned, is critical in terms of, of uh, debt payments and, uh, and, and organizing the finances. But the cynic in me says the timing is more than a little suspicious. Now, Mr. Eby has said he's not particularly interested in advancing the uh, impending federal ele- uh, provincial election date. Uh, it's going to go next year at the appointed day. However, a lot of people are speculating that this is, in fact, a preamble to a snap election later this year, possibly later in the spring. What are your sentiments on that, Peter? Are you suspicious? Well, absolutely. I, I, I think the Premier is definitely looking at ways to make sure any and every uh, available election window is open for him, uh, whether or not he triggers that election or not. I guess the uh, the jury's still out on that. But, you know, it, it really comes down to a, a lack of uh, accountability deliverable with them. As I say, this is a government who handpicked their own BC Housing Board, uh, dumped a, a ton of money into BC Housing, uh, finally had uh, accountability and, and uh, issues there, had to fire their board, had to uh, start a, uh, a forensic audit on BC Housing. And while all of that's happening right now, we have another half a billion dollars being dumped into housing, but that's going to be managed by a, a completely brand new uh, set of trustees in the board um, that still haven't been even named yet. And so, um, you know, it's really about the speed uh, that they're trying to make these announcements without proper accountability for the dollars. Um, you know, once these are spent, you can't get them back. And this is not a year-over-year program. Uh, the government has indicated this is a one-time injection of $500 million. Right. Um, and so, you know, like I say, the number of units that this could reasonably impact is going to be very minimal at, at best. If you, as you suggest, if there's another layer of bureaucracy with this new housing protection fund society that's going to run the show for this half a billion dollars, is that not also an extra layer of bureaucracy, Peter, that's going to soak up a significant portion of that money? Well, absolutely it is. And and if they're doing their proper due diligence before they release uh, taxpayers' funds into something like a, a real estate deal, um, you know, that's going to slow down the, the process of, of the nonprofit uh, getting the approval or not. Uh, they would need to know whether they have those government funds, uh, either for the full amount of the purchase or a partial purchase, and then uh, get the rest from a different financial institution. If you're the seller, you have other people in the background presumably wanting to buy the building that probably aren't going to sit around and wait months on end for a government program to say yes or no. Um, and, you know, this is uh, this is rental housing, which really the value of the rental housing gets de- determined based on a, a formulation of, of uh, rents being collected and, and what the cost and the rate of return and all of that. So it's almost like a, a more of a a corporate commercial uh, valuation than, say, URI's homes would be in terms of a real estate transaction. So it's not like the nonprofits are going to suddenly find these great bargains. When the premier starts saying that he, he thinks that uh, people that own these buildings that want to sell will will be doing the right thing and taking less money if it's going to a nonprofit versus a, a, a different landlord, um, you know, that's a, that's a pretty tenuous way to try to develop housing policy, hoping that the generosity of existing uh, owners is going to come into play and they're going to take a uh, under market value simply uh, on a sale they could be doing that right now and they're not why would they suddenly do it with this government fund in place so what would you have done differently how would a liberal government have addressed this issue peter 
Well, I think you need to address the actual issue, and that is uh, rent evictions and demo evictions and, and uh, making sure that there's a proper program in place for those people that are, are being displaced by, by demo evictions especially, but rent evictions as well, in terms of being treated fairly, in terms of making sure that they have um, appropriate housing access, that their, their rents don't skyrocket on something that is uh, of no fault of their own. Yeah. Uh, there was a half a billion dollars, apparently, to work with, and instead of working with it, um, they're going to uh, try to inject it in on, on the purchase side of the equation instead of actually uh, trying to figure out a way to actually work with renters. And, uh, but uh, I guess that's not surprising given that this is a government that two elections now has promised renters rebates for all renters and has uh, failed to materialize that as well. Interesting. Peter, should Vancouver and B.C. have cannabis consumption lounges or bars? That's our question of the day. What do you think? Uh, well, I, I, I grew up and, and ran nightclubs and bars and, and liquor stores, so I've got a bit of perspective on this. You know, I, I, probably in, in the next 15 to 20 years, you're going to see things evolve to that. I think we're still in the early days of this whole, um, uh, you know, legalization, and, and especially around cannabis and cannabis stores and products. Uh, you know, I think as, as people come to realize that that's, uh, you know, a safe supply in terms of, uh, the cannabis, and, and they know what they're getting. They know the quality control that goes into the product. You'll see them more and more going to, to government-run stores or the private stores that, that have those uh, verified products. But I think we're still in the, the infancy stage of all of this. Uh, Not quite yet, huh? Cannabis. Yeah. I, I would be surprised at this point if there was okay. really even a business case for it. But I, I can see in 15 years or so as, as the... As the you know habits of people and consumers change over time, uh, with legal cannabis stores, uh, that, that uh, the demand would maybe uh, start to build then. Thanks for jumping in on our question of the day, Peter. Good to have you on the show this morning. Thanks very much. You bet anytime. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think French fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.